You're listening to Studio HFL, episode 133, with my guest, Benny Sheshelsky. I'm your host, Larry Powell, and welcome to today's show, where my guest is Vinny Shashelsky, C-I-E-S-I-E-L-S-K-I. If that ever comes up on the Scripps National Spelling Bee, that person is going to be in serious trouble. Anyways, uh, Vinny is a Nashville-based trumpeter who has recorded thousands of tracks as both a lead and section trumpet, of course not at the same time. Well, maybe if he did separate tracks. Uh, He's got some great stories, but one you won't hear during this interview, but you will have access to as a Patreon patron, is available at www.patreon.com slash studiohfl, and more about that in just a minute, but right now I need to let you know about my show sponsors. Messina Covers is not just any other case company. David Messina and Erica Howard design and produce some beautiful cases that fit both form and function. And you can choose your case design, fabric, and trim color, add custom engraving, and more. And you can find out more at messinacovers.net. Peter Pickett and his crack team of craftspeople are continually innovating and providing the trumpet community with spectacular options for stock and custom mouthpieces. He and Eric Marine can help you find just the right size to fit your needs, and you should definitely consider trying the acrylic cup and rim. And if you're in the market for a custom trumpet, then Peter and Eric can build a Blackburn trumpet just for you. Check them out at picketblackburn.com. To stay current on what's going on with Studio HFL, you can follow me on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Studio HFL, and you can watch the live and pre-recorded interviews on the YouTube channel. While you're there, go ahead and subscribe. My first experience with a Hammond Design mouthpiece has turned into a bit of an obsession. There is something very comfortable about playing one of Carl's mouthpieces. The comfort, response, and sound are part of that HD experience. Try one of the stock mouthpieces or have Carl make you a custom one. Either way, everything is better in HD. And you can find out more at carlhammonddesign.com. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you would take just a couple of minutes to go to Apple Podcasts to leave a star rating and a review, and doing so will help improve the visibility of this podcast and draw more listeners. When I first tried an Eastman B-flat trumpet, I was blown away by the playability and the sound, and the more I found out about the company and got to know the people, I knew that this was a company I wanted to have a relationship with. There's a drive for excellence in design and production of every instrument, not just the high-end products. The proof of this is that the one and only Doc Severinsen helped to design the Eastman Beginner Model Trumpet. I still play that B-flat and have added a spectacular cornet and flugelhorn to my arsenal. That sounds kind of ominous. You can find out more at eastmanwinds.com. I'd love it if you'd visit the Studio HFL website and sign up for the weekly newsletter. While you're there, you can also visit the merch page and buy a Studio HFL shirt for yourself and as a gift for someone else. Of course, that is at studiohfl.com. My current situation with my C trumpet is kind of ridiculous. The Shire C, which Samantha Lane helped me trial and choose, is the most versatile C I've ever played. The same goes for the new Destino, designed by Doc. That horn sizzles when I need it to sizzle and is smooth as silk when I wear my, I mean, uh, when I play like silk. Anyway, the line of Shire's trumpets includes the Q series, which are production models, and the custom series. Either way you go, you'll love the sound you get, and you'll also experience exceptional customer service. Find out more at seshires.com. And lastly, here is how you can access exclusive content like the interview excerpts. 
I'd like to invite you to become a part of the Studio HFL community by going to Patreon and choosing from one of the four tiers of support. You can help to financially support the show for as little as $36 per year. That's only $3 a month. Benefits include exclusive access to interview excerpts, a behind-the-scenes report, and an invitation to be in the room with a guest during an interview, product discounts, and more. Join the community of faithful supporters by visiting patreon.com slash studio HFL. And now, on with my interview with Vinny Shashelsky. There we go. Hey, how are you? I'm so sorry, man. It's been a crazy, crazy day. Well, all that matters is you're here now. Yeah, man. And we're going to have some fun, I hope. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, first item of business, Vinny Smith, Smith, right? It's <laughs> That's kind of awesome. That's as close as most people get, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, she shall ski. She, she shall ski. Yeah, it's easy. Oh my gosh, it's just like it's spelled. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen, I get a lot of the, are you related to uh, Coach K thing all the time, but not not so much it's not even not even close and and the funny thing about it is uh i've heard every Polak joke in it, right and i don't have a drop of polish blood in me my dad was adopted and his birth name was biancanelli so oh gosh can you imagine we're close imagine if you like owed me money like uh hey man <laughs> this is vinnie biancanelli where's my money you'd be like coming to my house with cash <laughs> Probably best that I don't have that handle because uh, yeah, be a little, uh, little uh, nervous. Shishelsky. So when I was in the service, I was in the Air Force, and my sergeant uh, was in charge of me, uh, K R Z Y W D A. That was his last name. I can't even. Well, but you just mentioned Polish, and I would have people call in as Sergeant Crazy Water there, Sergeant Quizwitta, <laughs> right, and. And it's it was Shivda, right? <laughs> so it's it's one of those things. And you know, no matter how long you look at it, you're you're still trying to figure out the phonetics of everything. So we were uh, we were checking. I was on tour. We were checking into a, a resort, uh, one of the casino resorts. I think it was with Lyle, and uh, and I walked up to the counter, and there was this pretty young lady, and and she had a very heavy Eastern European accent. And she said, you know, what, what's your name? And I said, uh, Vinny Shushelsky. And she proceeded to tell me how I was mispronouncing my own name because she was from Poland. And she told me the history of the name and what it meant. The amazing thing is, is uh, it's just, we, we don't say it that far off, but it's Chuselski. And it means person that works with wood or carpenter or artist. Oh. My dad is a world renowned wildfowl carving artist just just seriously yeah 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 he's he's real he's kind of famous inside that uh inside that realm he, he uh, yeah carves songbirds and the atmosphere and you know like he, he would go to competitions he the first 28 shows he went to he won best in show and then he retired because he was gonna let other guys win you know just he's just <laughs> really good and he, that's what he does for a living now well and you would shed the trumpet exactly there you go <laughs> So you're not going to remember this, but where we met and played together was, uh, and I don't know if it was Orca Orchestra Kentucky at that point. It might have still been the Bowling Green Chamber Bowling Orchestra. Green Chamber. Oh, nice. And there was a there's a small theater downtown, oh, yeah. Bowling Green. Like the was it called the State or something? 
Yeah, something just like that. You know, every every town's got one of those, right? Of course. And we were doing some sort of uh, uh, some sort of soul. Uh, I don't even remember. But you were playing lead. I was playing second. And I just remember uh, sitting there. I never met you before. I never had no idea who you were. And I'm sitting there in rehearsal thinking, oh, this guy's the real deal, you know? And nice. <laughs> you, you know what? And you were, you were, you were the nicest guy. And, and I really appreciate that, you know, but uh, that was our, that was our experience. And I have to say that was probably early two thousands. I want to tell you that might've been one of the concerts where um, Jimmy Bolin, who was a reed player, uh, woodwind player would, would go up there. He kind of got me on the gig and Jeff mm -hmm. was a, Jeff was a brilliant guy. He still is, really. And the, yeah. the, the way that they market that orchestra with the Pops concert and then they throw in a little light classical and you got to buy the whole thing. And, and you're like, hey, man, we like that 80s music. Let's go hear some Mozart. You know, and it's it's <laughs> incredible. I mean, it's just so smart. And, and, and all the major orchestras, they don't want to admit it. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them. They don't want to admit it, but, you know, Pops pays the bills, man. Right. You know, not everybody's going to go see all of the obscure, you know, we're debuting a piece for klezmer, banjo, and full orchestra. Not everybody's going to go see that, right? Although here in here in Nashville, they probably would because, uh, because <laughs> of the, the diverseness. But um, I, I always thought Jeff had a great idea. And on one of those concerts, Jimmy and I had done, it was like they were, sometimes they were Sundays and Mondays. And Jimmy and I had just done a weekend, a long, grueling weekend with the Four Tops and the Temptations. And those shows were just a booger, man. I don't know if you've ever played that show, but it's, no. it's just, oh, my goodness. It's just, it's some, it's Rocky punching you in the face with an anvil for two hours. That's basically <laughs> what it is. Um, and and uh, Jeff stopped the orchestra. You know, I don't know much about orchestra etiquette, uh, but I do know that, I've seen conductors go, there are some intonation issues in this area over here, knowing <laughs> full well who it is, you know what I mean? So Jeff stops the orchestra and he says, calls me out by name and he says, Vinny, I don't agree with your interpretation of the lick at bar 72. And it was a Temptations tune. It was like Ancient oh, yeah. or one of those stupid things. That right, right. Around. And uh, he said, when listening to the recording, they played to 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 whatever he, he sang it, and I said yes, sir. And I leaned forward to to Jimmy Bolin, who happened to be sitting right in front of me, and I said, "Funny, that's not what the Temptations said." Blast, right? <laughs> and I really think Jeff may have heard me, you know. And I'm so proud of of what they've done with that organization, man. It's, it's amazing. It truly is amazing. And and I've seen, I've been down there enough to see the growth in that orchestra when other orchestras are diminishing yeah. their seasons and they seem to keep adding somehow, keep adding services. Mm -hmm. And of course they're drawing quality players from Louisville, uh, Indy, Nashville, plenty of people from Nashville coming up. So, you know, it's always a good show good. and, uh, and typically a good hang, but you know, Jeff's a trumpet player, right? So that's the reason he was picking on you. I know he was a he was a, a per perennial a fourth trumpet player with the church orchestra by which Orchestra Kentucky started. <laughs> I think he made ah. a decision. He studied with a lot of different people, and you know he's really smart. And honestly, he probably was correct because he really listened to those recordings. It wasn't 
pop music didn't really go in him. You know what I mean? He's he's really more of a classical guy. And when he would try and sort of swing, you know, you can swing playing funk, you can swing playing big band, you can swing. When he would try and swing, it always kind of came off as, you know what I mean? At which used to crack me up because he tried so hard. But the original recordings uh, are much different than what the Temptations are doing these days. And in retrospect, you know, 10 or 15 years later, I'm like, you know, he's right. I haven't mm. listened to those original recordings in forever. And my interpretation of it has morphed to the point where I have no, it's just the way I play it. I have no idea what the original work, he was probably right on the money. And yeah. I wish I'd have had the presence of mind to just go, oh shoot, man, I haven't listened to that in forever. Thank you so much. And shut right. up and move on down the road, you know, like, right. like you're supposed to do. Right. <laughs> so, you know, isn't it funny though, how, how those horn sections, you know, I wonder if Tower of Power and Earth, Wind and Fire, if those guys all kind of evolve from those beginning recordings. If if it's just, it changes on this show slightly and then the next show and then the next, you know, by the time you get, like you're saying, by the time you get to where you are now, it might be night and day. Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, and, and they, you know, they've, they've actually changed the arrangement. Still a young man, when Mick Gillette played it, you know, at the end of the song went, E to G to E. Now they've taken it down an inversion because that show is impossible for a human being to play. Mick mm -hmm. was just such a gifted and freakish player for that style of music. Mm -hmm. um, th there's not many people around that could do that night. And, they, you know, when they're out, 200 shows a year. I mean, they seriously, still hard, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, obviously not these days, but uh, it's right. really amazing. And uh, speaking of Tower of Power, they let Marcus. Uh, what's Marcus's last name? Prentip. No, the no, no, not Marcus. Mar Marcus is from Memphis. Uh, his best lead singer they've had since the very first one. I mean, he was mm. just incredible. And they let him go, kind of unceremoniously, wow. like via email. Uh, so strange, man. Because I love those guys so much. And Marcus Scott. Um, check him out, man. If you don't have, he's got a solo record. Whew, Lord have mercy, that kid is. <laughs> he's something else, man. He really yeah. is special, yeah. very special cat. Yeah. So, what are you doing? What are you? What are you doing currently to get through this? Man oh my gosh, nobody has ever asked that question. You know, over a hundred interviews, I've been the one asking all the questions, and nobody's ever asked me that. <laughs> Um, I've been conducting interviews. That's what I've been doing. I've, you know, honestly, uh, March 13th, right? The world shut down around March 13th and long about, uh, middle of April, I'm thinking I got to seize this opportunity. Yeah. And I got between, uh, April and the beginning of August, 50 interviews. Oh my goodness. I mean, I was, I was on it Gosh, that's almost that's like every other day or a couple times a day there were there were days where i was doing two and a couple of times i was doing three interviews a day that is and crazy. you know it's it, I, I love doing it yeah um now i took a lot of time off the horn oh. right i mean i i don't know if you're 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 smiling here right? we're in the same boat <laughs> probably well, on that but listen man i i i'm one of those guys um I have some things going on with my with my uh, physiology that I cannot take time off. I, I mm. really cannot take time off. I had uh, in 
let's see, 19, uh, 2019, I had a complete left shoulder replacement. And I mean, I, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, I was in super good shape when I went into the uh, operation, both with my chops mm -hmm. and with my physical infrastructure. And I said to the doctor, I said to the surgeon, I said, hey man, uh, I wanna be able to play right away. And he's like, yeah, okay, sure, no problem. I said, okay, great. And so when I woke up from the operation, you know, I had told him I wanted it hiked up so that I could, you know, at least kind of, you know, and it wasn't quite right. And the nurse that was in recovery was like, okay, you're, it's time for you to go home. And I was like, okay, well, I need to have this adjusted. And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be practicing my trumpet. And she was like, uh, no. <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked about it with the doctor and they actually called the doctor. I get on the phone with the doctor and he's like, you mean right away? And I said, yeah, I got it set up, man. I've got a Schulman system that sits on my chest and I'm going to play. And the day, you know, I was high as a <laughs> rear end on the day of the operation. But the next day, first thing in the morning, I took a pain pill, put some ice on my arm and I was doing long tones. I just I I can't afford to I can't afford to take any time off because I suck, <laughs> and and the thing is is that and what, what I'm very fortunate. I, I just want to preface this with I am a very hardworking person, um, but I am very very lucky. I don't know I got a thimble full of talent about that big, and I've mm. maximized it, you know, but. Um, the sessions for us and the way that we do business for that first month were they, they shut it down. You know? Right. Everybody was scared. Nobody, nobody knew what was going on. Um, I am uh, still nervous and respectful of, of the virus. I mask up every time I go out, I maintain social distancing. Um, I do my best in every situation to be as safe as I can because I'm not worried about myself because I'm in, I'm in good shape. I worry about people like my dad, who's a cancer survivor. My mom is a cancer survivor. They're 80 some years old. And even though they're 500 miles away, I want the version of me that lives there to wear a mask so that they don't make them sick. Yeah. Um, but sessions have been off the chain for us. I mean, it has been wonderful. This week we're doing, if we could work uh, the, the way that we record we can really only do about three or four hours a day because um it's a small section i stack myself on each pass five or six times oh my gosh and it's a bunch of high q flats all the way down to just two passes of flugelhorn and four hours of that is just you know beating yourself to death it just so we've got right now we're we've got six or eight projects in the in the queue and we just go in every day at eleven o'clock. We carve away. We do a song, and then and then we. I'll see you tomorrow. You know, and have a good day. It's pretty pretty awesome. So, go ahead. One trumpet on the session. One trumpet on the session, and what I do is I take um, I take upwards of four B flat trumpets and two flugelhorns, all with different setups. Uh, I've got my Adams uh, A4LT, which is a which is a big, dark, buttery sound and perfect for that fourth guy that is kind of saving himself for the jazz solos, you know, in a big band. You know that guy. I can play that guy. <laughs> I can't do the jazz solos, unfortunately, but I can replicate that tone. It's a little darker and it's a little warmer. 
and then I have um, my Blackburn setups, and I've got three different ones of those, mm -hmm. including one, uh, I got it right here, as a matter of fact, Mike Del Quattro. Oh, yeah. Just did a conversion on this thing where you loose this and you loose this and the bell comes off. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not tunable. It's just a it's just a modular and I have uh, an Eclipse Sterling Silver Bell that just lights the room on fire. Nice. So I switched that up and uh, and stack myself. And we're also doing mostly head charts. So we're creating the parts as we go. So we'll do eight bars, get a real good solid lead line, harmonize it put the flugel horns on and then put the sparkle on top but it is a you know it's it, it's a lot of contemporary gospel um so it's higher faster louder almost all hey yeah. that's hfl studio hfl man that's exactly right very nice. well th that's where it originated of course now it stands for uh hear from legends right so you know <laughs> what uh, what you're describing i've heard about this before we're like down in uh, muscle shoals they would go in and there would be no charts and they'd they'd get the tune and they'd work out the lick and you know then they'd they'd harmonize it yep. and is that what you're talking about doing is there's yeah, is there much written for you when you walk in i lost you so let me ask that question again and we'll get back into that um okay so i was talking about muscle shoals when you walk into the studio do you have anything in front of you you mentioned a head head chart but anything written out so so I've been very fortunate since I got to Nashville uh, in 1992. I, I've, uh, I'm coming up on 6,000 recordings. For, for, the, for, for a great long part of my career, they would set a, a chart on the stand. We would sight read it like we'd been playing it for 20 years and loving it for 20 years and really you know feeling the song. And then we would stack it. That's five or six piece horn section. And we would stack those and it just sounded like a truck coming down the highway you know just nice. really really incredible stuff um as time went by and budgets started to morph a little bit you know and the <laughs> model started to change the sections got a little bit smaller so if you wanted to you know if you wanted to have a bigger sound you would have to stack um so i it's funny you mentioned muscle shoals because um i've been playing down there um with those guys since 93 oh and, uh and i've done hundreds of records at uh, fame and the old muscle Shoal sound and and the river and all that kind of stuff i go down a couple of times a month um we used to charles rose used to write all the charts handwritten beautiful mm -hmm. big giant notes like whole notes that were like this big <laughs> so you just, if you made a mistake it was not the chart it was definitely you so, and charles was i learned so much about playing in a horn section and uh I mean, this guy, if he wrote a short note, if he wrote, you know, if he wrote a rooftop on a note, he wanted it short. And if you didn't play it short, you got the, you know, look down the, you know, look down the section at you kind of thing. And so it, right. it really made me keenly aware of, of how you need to interpret those things the very first time you read them. So right. now what we're doing is we're doing a two piece, two or three piece section. Um, Again, because of budget and the amount of money that we personally would like to make when we go in the studio. Um, so if you have a song, you want horns on it, you send, well, first of all, you would do it yourself, but short of that, send it to me. Um, this morning we went in at 11 o'clock and it's the first time we'd ever listened to the song. And we listened down to get the vibe and then we start carving away. And between the two of us, Tyler Summers is uh, my, my, 
uh, go-to saxophone player. He uh, plays and engineers. Um, I handle most of the client work, as you can imagine, uh, with the with the nonstop talking. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and we and we 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 carve away. And he comes from a real hard, real, uh, very serious North Texas jazz background. And I've been playing pop and R&B and gospel and that stuff for, you know, 40 years out of my career. So I kind of bring that sensibility. So he plays a bunch of notes. I take two or three of them out. Uh, I play a pentatonic thing. He adds something really super cool to it. It's such a great combination. We record that. Then oftentimes what we'll do is we'll double it exactly and he'll go down an octave on the tenor and then we'll put the harmonies in and then I do two passes of flugelhorn one on the lead one on the um, one on the harmony and then we put high stuff on there if take the whole thing up an octave if necessary mm -hmm. which is almost always the case it's almost <laughs> probably just because I'm a trumpet player but you know there there are gospel kids uh, picking up the trumpet and and playing their first notes after having listened to these records not just me but all these guys steve patrick and mike haynes and all those guys that have been doing it forever um and 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 playing their first notes and going wait a minute how in the world does does that work so yeah, yeah. right right so, yeah these days i would say we're doing more without charts doing the head charts, making them up and create them, creating them as we go, which is, it's, it's super exciting because it's something different every day. Well, I was just gonna ask, you know, is there a problem with originality on the licks? No, you know, some some of the stuff that we do, like, look, I'll, I'll kind of keep on concentrating on the contemporary gospel thing. Some, some producers call me and say, straight traditional gospel. And I go back so far with this stuff you know, Shirley Caesar and Rance Allen and, and the Clark sisters and, and all that old school stuff where it was boom, ooba -de bam, you know, and, and that was on every record. <laughs> um, now that we're sort of drifting into neo soul and 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 and, and, the, and the, the, the genre is morphing forward, um, we definitely have to be more creative. And when we're doing back-to-back -back sessions, you have to make sure that you're not putting the same licks because, you know, if you're doing a traditional gospel tune, there are certain things that really, really, really work. But right. we try and stay away from repeating ourselves too much. I'm sure, though, if you listen to our body of work, good Lord, there's probably a lick or two that's, that's on every record we've ever done. Well, it's not like Maynard didn't do a shake on every tune that he ever did, right? I try and squeeze those in as often as I can. Again, just for the... For the uh, out of the you know hundred thousand people that are going to hear that, the fifteen trumpet players will really love it. <laughs> yeah. So you say forty years out of your career, you've been doing this. So you started when you were six. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I've been playing trumpet since I was nine. I'm fifty-seven right now. Um, I've been in Nashville since I was ninety-two. So what's that? Tw uh, no, since ninety-two. So I would look really good for one hundred and twenty. Yeah, you sure would. <laughs> Uh, so 28 years now, mm -hmm. is that what that mm -hmm. is? 28 years. And, and man, I'll tell you, it's just been, it's, it's just been incredible. It's always, I've, I've done that balance of when I first moved to town, they said, well, you either got to tour or you got to do sessions because the, the contractors want to know that you're going to be there when they call. And if you're mm -hmm. out on tour, they're just going to move down the line. And so 
as my career went on, it, it sort of morphed because the, the session world got a little bit smaller. There's a lot of work. There, there really is a tremendous amount of work. We'll probably wind up during this COVID year, we'll probably wind up doing 200 in, in our studio, which is mm. just tremendous. And, and, and I'm, I'm humbled by it. Believe me, I'm not saying it to be braggadocious, but um, it, it's just a fact, you know. And well, then, that's great. I mean, and it's okay to say that, right? I mean, that's, it's I mean, nice that somebody's getting that. And if it's the truth, right? Right, right. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, I, and, and I was very fortunate to be introduced to a fellow named Lloyd Berry. Lloyd is kind of the godfather of gospel strings and horns. And uh, the first session I ever did with him was, was one of the most intimidating things I've ever done. Gary Armstrong, who used to be kind of the utility guy with Nashville. Big, burly guy, beard, you know, neck beard all the way down. I mean, just like, you know, and he's sitting there. Studio doesn't have any air conditioning. He's got a pair of black shorts, a kind of a, this is how I remember it. It probably didn't happen that way. A wife beater, <laughs> trumpet between his legs, and his legs just spread wide, and he's just blowing double Gs. And I walk in, and I go, hey, man, how's it going? And he goes, kind of grunted at me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And, uh, but I, I probably have done 2,000 or more records with Lloyd. And uh, wow. just really credit him with introducing me into a world where I normally wouldn't be uh, accepted. You know, if I walked in the door, even with my horn um, and played, it, it would take a long time to be accepted in, into that world. Because we had the facade of the studio and being the sort of this faceless brand uh, back then, because there was, you know, there wasn't the internet and all that stuff in the, or there wasn't social media in the 90s, you know what I mean? Um, I would walk into the room and meet artists for the first time, and they would really be floored um, by my appearance. <laughs> and uh, so Lloyd, Lloyd really started me down the road, and, and I was, uh, I was and still am fiercely loyal to him. He's, uh, he's still working, although he's kind of working on the new model where he cuts all the trumpets himself and sends it over to a saxophone player and put it together and, and then, and then shoot it on down the road. So, right. Yeah. You know, okay. So people who might not know what you look like, I mean, your appearance is nothing out of the norm, right? <laughs> I mean, you've got earrings, but beyond that, I mean, it's, you know, unless you wear a kilt to sessions, you know, I mean, is that, I have I have not been known to wear a kilt. Yeah. And, and back in the day, you know, I was I was a hundred pounds heavier. Um, so that's been a that's been a huge part of the turnaround, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. playing wise and and attitude wise and just life in general wise, mm -hmm. is losing that and keeping it off and making health and fitness a, a huge part of my existence, and being a huge proponent of encouraging other people to to do that. I mean very very gratifying about 10 or 15 years ago when social media first kind of came into my consciousness i i decided to start posting about my journey in june of 1999 uh 313 pounds the doctor said literally quote you're fat and you're gonna die and that was enough of a wake-up call for me he, he followed it by my son was eight years old at the time he said if you want to see him graduate high school get married have babies lose 60 pounds and then lose 40 more and stop. He said, 
he's stop messing around. Only the language was a little more colorful. Right. I love that guy. He was he was awesome. Um, and I did. I started on my journey, and uh, and you know through proper diet and, and exercise, uh, and drinking tons of water, and you know and getting the infrastructure together. I'm I, and again at 57, best shape of my life. That's uh, awesome. Yesterday, yesterday I jumped on the trainer, which is over. The, I don't know if you can see it. It's over there, uh, indoor bike on the Zwift, and then I went downstairs and out to my pool and and swam 500 or 1,000 yards, whatever it was. Just incredible. Nice. I mean, just the fact that I have the trainer and the pool and I play trumpet is incredible. <laughs> so I, I got to ask you, you know, uh, uh, Wayne Bergeron actually talked about this. You know, he had lost uh, some weight and there are there's a lot of other players out there who have lost weight and it has seriously affected their chops. Yeah. Did you encounter any of that along that that journey? Here's what happened for me. Um, I decided at the very beginning um, I, I had a really good. I think I had a really good sensibility about it. And here's here's what here's what I figured. I struggle with my weight all my life. When I was in college and beyond until I until I started to get it together, if I would walk in front of a plate glass window or a mirror or anything, I would look at myself and I would speak hate to myself self-loathing and you're disgusting you're fat you're you're an animal you you have no discipline blah 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 blah. just awful 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 and it will it reflected in my attitude all decisions i take 100 percent, i own them but when you're in that much pain um it's difficult to be a decent human being it was for me so when i started uh everybody wants to if you have 100 pounds to lose which i did um, everybody wants to lose 100 pounds in three months and then be done, right? What I decided to do was if I lost a pound a week and allowed myself to plateau uh, after 25 weeks and, and just relax my body a little bit and then kind of, you know, st while still exercising and eating properly and then start again and lose another 25, in a couple of years, I'd be at my goal. And that is what happened. So, wow. I didn't cannibalize my body. What what goes on, I think, a lot of times with, with cats that are losing weight. I have a friend in Baltimore um, who is actually a, a lifestyle coach. Uh, and I don't think he would mind me uh, mentioning his name, Scott Stanfield. Is I, I, oh, my gosh, I've seen his transformation on Facebook. It's incredible. It's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And now he does it as part of what he does for a living. He is encouraging and guiding other people. It's phenomenal. But the average, and listen, whatever works for, 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 for whoever is wanting to get fit, whatever works for you. The thing that scares me about certain programs is lose 100 pounds and never exercise. Right. It, it, to me, and the way it worked for me, because basically what I did was I... I started here on muscle, and I started here on fat. I lost a bunch of fat, and I gained muscle. And I still lost 100 pounds. The problem with losing weight fast is that it, your body cannibalizes itself, it eats the muscles, and we, as we all know, we have 200 muscles in this area, plus your diaphragm. And on those macro muscles, those little teeny muscles, 
you know, if you lose 10% of your of your core strength, it's it's really not that big a deal, right? But if you lose 10% in those teeny tiny muscles, right. and that's where it goes. And Scott, although he's well on his way back to being a phenomenal player and band leader, uh, he ran into some problems. Uh, and I and you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical professional. I can only tell you what worked for me. And I think the reason why I didn't lose, I'm playing better today than I have in my whole life. That's terrific. At, at, at 57 years old, just most of it is just because I'm not just um, sort of aimlessly blowing my brains out. I'm playing more efficiently, which has been something that's been crazy for me. Because <clears throat> I was always, oh, I use a lot of air and I use this and that and the other, you know, big macho trumpet player. I played a large bore Calicchio in the 90s. It was a 470. It was like a trombone. Right, right. So I, I think that's what's going on. I don't know what Wayno did, uh, whether he lost quickly or not. Um, but it, I think it's temporary because once you level out at your weight and you get the diet thing back together, mm -hmm. then, you know, maybe like chocolate cake or ice cream or donuts or, you know there are certain things that you could take out of your diet forever um, although chocolate cake is really wonderful and yummy might be alcohol might be you know beer or whatever the deal is um, my theory on the whole thing is whatever you do your cardio you have to love if you hate running do not be a runner if you love swimming find yourself a pool and swim if you love getting on a bike, which I do, both of those things, get a bike, ride a bike. Because a 200, you know, a 313 pound man on a bicycle, you ride for an hour, you burn 750, 800 calories without even blinking an eye. And if you do that every day yeah. for a year, you're where you want to be. So I think slow and steady wins the race on that, just like trumpet. Right. Pick the trumpet up in the morning and say, I'm going to blister through Clark too. And none of us do, <laughs> but eventually, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've never blistered through it. I mean, I've, I've calloused my way through it, you know. Uh, it, it's the same theory with this, and I, I've told this to young players. Man, I really need to get this song up to tempo. Okay, where's your tempo now? The tempo now is at 100. Uh, what do you need to get it to? I need to get it to 133, 134. How long do you have? I have six weeks. I said, start at 100, and tomorrow... Put your metronome on 101. It's not going to feel like a lot of progress. But in a week, you're going to be at 107. And in two weeks, you're going to be at 115. And at the end of the six weeks, you're going to be at 140. And 134 is going to feel like a funeral march to you. Amen. One tick at a time. So a man who weighs 313 pounds loses one pound a week and needs to lose 100 pounds. In two years, you are at your goal. How long did it take you to get to 313 pounds? That's what I said to myself. My entire life, I was 39 years old at the time. My entire life, 39 years it took me to get to 313 pounds, the heaviest I had ever been. It did not have, I, I wasn't 175 pounds with a six pack ab and the next morning I woke up and I had gained you know, 125 pounds. Just didn't happen that way. So you can't lose it faster than you gained it. Uh, it's just not practical. It, yeah. Again, trumpet player, I'm kind of dumb, but that's what worked for me. Well, it doesn't sound dumb to me. Sounds like good experience, and, and you know, it, it, just because it's anecdotal doesn't make it any less uh, true. 
Right. Right. I mean, and, and what you said, uh, everybody's going to find their path, but I think if you find your path, you're going to find that the paths are pretty similar. Yeah. Right. They are. So, um, well, I appreciate you sharing that, you know, that's, uh, that can be kind of a tough thing uh, to open up about, but thanks. Thanks for that. I, I have a, I have another thing and, and I've, I've told this story before and I'll keep it short because I know I can be good God long winded. Hey, I'm in charge of editing. I can cut whatever I want out of here, right? <laughs> I think you're going to want to cut this one because this is this is amazing. If 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 you go to Trumpet Vinny on Instagram and you look at what I call the blue screens, they're little clips, 15 second clips of the stuff that we do in the studio, and some of them are good and some of them are great. Some of them are off the charts. You know, we just moved, and uh, we're we're still we're still working on our internet. I'm, I'm sure it's on my end. Um, I don't know. We have spectrum and it goes out. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's insane. It's insane. So, um, all right. Uh, you were getting ready to talk about, uh, at trumpet Vinny Instagram. You're talking about these, these right. samples, right? If you go over to trumpet Vinny, uh, and you look at the blue screens, it's a sampling of, of really the body of work for the last couple of years. There's, there's probably hundreds of them on there. And so it, because because of the way the trumpet world is you know you, you you don't establishing credibility is it can be a difficult thing like if i see a comment online and i really agree with it or i disagree with it i always go to the person's you know music page or their and, and see what they're all about to to kind of make sure so my instagram account establishes my credibility as a player okay so when I was 25 years old, I was on a gig. We were loading in. I was playing in a rock and roll band. We, we did, well, it wasn't really rock and roll. It was like Chicago, Earth, Wind & Flyer, Blood, Sweat & Tears, Motown. I mean, it was a great band. It was a lot of fun. We're loading into a club, and I, I used to hold my sneezes, and I sneezed. And I felt this uh, almost like an electrical shock on the back of my head, mm. like about the size of a quarter. And I was like, wow, that, that was really weird. It really hurt. I didn't think anything of it. Next morning... Uh, when I woke up, that spot on the back, back of my head, about that big, was numb, completely numb, like dead to the world, like numb. So I, I didn't really, you know, I went to the doctor and they thought I had sprained my neck. They had me in a collar and all that kind of stuff, and I'm playing in a collar. And uh, a couple days later, I, I did it again, and it came over top, all on the left side, came over top and down the front of my face to about here. It's like somebody took a car battery and put it at the bottom of a big oak tree during the winter and all of the, that's what it felt like. Right. The next day when I woke up, I couldn't feel the left side of my face or my head. So the doctors are feverishly working. Um, then it happened again and it went down the entire left side of my body. So if you drew with a magic marker from the top of my head, straight down, chops, everything. Everything on the left side is still numb today. Even now? So I had an operation when I was 25 years old, and they went in, it's called, uh, what I have is called a syrinx. And basically what it is, is it's a long, very narrow cyst inside of your spinal cord that puts pressure on the left side. And it, it manifests itself in a lot of different ways, but a worst case scenario is numbness. Now, what I can do is, this is a miracle. I can hold that in my hand. 
When I got out of the hospital, when I was trying for my dogs, are, my dogs. Yeah, I, actually, I I'm having a hard time hearing you over that. All right, hold on a sec. They know they're in trouble. They just wanted airtime. Yeah, they did. So um, it, it's called a, it's called a syrinx, and it's called like syringomyelitis, some some long medical name. So uh, when I got out of the hospital, I could not walk because I couldn't tell where my left heel was hitting the ground. So I left the, you know, I, 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 everybody leaves the hospital in a wheelchair, but I really needed one. Got in the car. Um, for years and years and years, uh, there, was, there was no physical therapy. There was no follow-up. It was only the second time they had ever done the operation. They flew this big machine in from Boston. They cut open the back of my head, took my vertebrae off, put a, a shunt in. So they put it in the in the in the syrinx and it drains and dissipates down my spinal cord okay so for 32 years I have not been able to feel the left side of my body my hand when I first started playing again which was not too long afterwards I would have to take the horn and kind of guide it I would have to take the horn and I have to guide it into my hand because I couldn't tell where I was putting my fingers wow. I had to learn I had to relearn how to play um, for a long, long time, I, I hoped through spinal cord injury research and all that kind of stuff that maybe uh, they could help. So earlier this year, uh, right around the first of the year, I had an appointment with a neurologist. And I was just nervous because I thought, man, what? I, my career has been pretty, pretty cool. What, what if I could feel my face? I mean, what kind of damage could I do to the music world if I could feel my face? So I went in and... And I sort of explained what was going on, and he got a picture of it, and very unceremoniously and very doctor-like said, so you're asking about the feeling in your face if you're going to get your feeling back. And I said, yeah. And, and I, that, this moment, 32 years I've been building up to this moment, hoping. He said, nah, nah, you're never getting that back. Just whew, cut my head off. <clears throat> so my immediate response was, holy crap, you know, what am I going to do? But then I thought, I've been living more than half of my life with this. And again, I've, I've had a prolific career. I ride a bike. I have decent balance. I got a great life. Sometimes, you know, my hand flops around like, you know, it, it's just, it's just, you know, it is what it is. Everybody has something. But now, now I know. I know what I'm dealing with. So I know. And I said, okay, one more question. Will it ever get worse? And he said, no, it'll never get worse. So it's never going to get better, but it's never going to get worse. So I know exactly every day what I'm going to wake up to. So this is what I say. Like I, I see trumpet players online now that are like, I have no hope and I don't even know why I'm practicing now. And oh, the world is coming to an end. And and I, I have to say bull crap because... Even though we all have something, some of it is our personality, and there's not a whole lot you can do about that. You know, some guys are just jerks. You know what I mean? But everybody's got something, whether it's a, a limp, or you can't see, or you can't hear, or you know, you got to whatever it is. Everybody has something to deal with. This for me has been a big deal for a long time. When you come at me, and I don't mean you, Larry, of course, but when you when when somebody comes at me and says I can't get motivated to practice. If they can sit through and listen to the last three minutes of this, this story, and at the end of it, not say, especially if they're whole-bodied, 
if they have all of their facilities, if they can feel, I want you to imagine what it's like. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, I, do you know what it feels like when your foot is dead asleep? Not pins and needles, but when you right. wake, when you stand up and you fall down. Yep. That's what everything on the left side of my body feels like 24 hours a day for the last 32 years. Now, if that doesn't motivate you to practice, then you should quit playing the trumpet and do something else because I have been handed a, a, a hand of cards that was not a winning hand. And somehow through three, four, five, six, nine hours a day of practicing, tenacity, discipline, trying to be a good human being, taking care of the rest of my health, I've turned it into, you know, uh, Trent Austin said, one of the most recorded trumpet players in the United States. 6,000 recordings. That may or wow. may not be true, but it sounds cool. It's awesome. Yeah, right? right. So, I, I, you know, if, if, if people don't get one other thing out of this podcast interview, then be motivated and be thankful for what you have, no matter what it is, then, then you just, you're, not, you're barking up the wrong tree. You got you to gotta think about what you're doing what you shared i mean i'm sitting here and i and i'm inspired by what what you've shared good but it's the same thing if anybody's followed ryan anthony and god rest his soul yes but anybody followed him if you if you want to complain about something you only have to look to your neighbor right to your fellow trumpet player your fellow man your fellow woman your your sister your brother whatever who's going through something just a tiny bit worse and there's perspective, right? And, and you know, you're part of this uh, positive trumpet. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name positive of it. Positive Trumpeters Worldwide. Yeah. yeah. What, what a great group. Man, we, we, we were just, Troy and I have been friends for a couple of years, man. And, and, and that cat, uh, he just kind of out of the blue said, hey, man, I like your Instagram. What's up? And we started talking, just a boundless energy, Canadian cat, great trumpet player, really good human being. Uh, Josh and, and Axel and Armida, just the people that came together for that was incredible. And, you know, we saw so much, there, there are some famous trumpet sites that were kind of the only game in town for a long time. And, you know, look, trumpet players can be difficult. Really? I'm not sure if you realize that. I know this is an epiphany <laughs> for you, but... Trumpet players can be can be difficult, and I think I don't know whether it's a chicken or egg thing, but you know, when you're when you're putting it out there on the line, and you're the first person to get your head chopped off because you're playing lead, or you're playing the lead line, or you're playing in three piece section, and you're the dude, um, you know, man, that's got to warp you up a little bit, you know what I mean? But it is possible, as you know from doing fifty interviews in the last couple months. It is possible to be a decent human being and be a great trumpet player. <laughs> so uh, came together with, with uh, Troy and he said, man, let's start this group because I'm tired of all the crap, you know, groups online and this, not everybody, obviously. There are some great, there are some incredible groups online. At that time, the large majority of, of what we were seeing was just a whole lot of this and it just it's just no fun to be a part of yeah so we want to create a, a safe space you know uh we're coming up on our one year anniversary in october 
We're at 8,000 uh, 8, members right now. <laughs> That's fantastic. I think we'll be 10,000 before the end of the year. And, and it, it's it's really a wonderful place. They're doing a lot of live streams. They're, they're, they're uh, putting together frequently asked questions. One of the problems with the online world is that, you know, a new trumpet player, a new trumpet player is somewhat like a new Christian. New Christians are on fire. Man, they want to tell everybody in the whole world what is going on. God and the Holy Spirit and woohoo! But they have no way of communicating it to them because they don't know the Bible. They don't know spirituality. They don't have an interpretation of what God has been telling them. They just know they feel like a million bucks, right? New trumpet players are much the same way. Oh, I heard Maynard Ferguson for the first time, and I want to play like him. What mouthpiece do I use? How do I do that? What do I practice? What horn do I use? And this and that and the other thing. The problem is, is that the old timers, the old curmudgeoners, are like, uh, here's another kid that wants to know. And, and instead of saying, hey, bro, let's do this. Let's do a Zoom call, and, and I'll kind of explain what's going on. I'll take 20 minutes out of my life and give you what I've learned over the last 45 years, which is right. just invaluable. Instead of doing that, they just bust their balls. Pardon my, yeah. pardon my French. Yeah. And, and we want to create a safe space for people to ask those questions, to post videos, to just be goofball trumpet geeks. And man, what a great place to hang out. It's just- it's I agree. Really wonderful. I agree. And, you know, it's kind of my approach to, to interviews is I try not to research too much ahead of time. So I know I ask questions that are like every other trumpet player already knows the answer to. Right. You know, and, I, and I'm thinking, well, I probably sounded like a total idiot or a moron asking that question. But I'm thinking, but there's an awful lot of people who wanted me to ask that question. Right. right? So I don't care, man. I'm going to ask, you know, and I'm and so. Yeah, I, I agree. That's a great place to go. And I see the questions that are posted and you're right. It's like somebody who becomes a vegan. They're going to tell everybody right away, right? And all about it and try to convert you, right? And, and nothing against vegans, but um, <laughs> Not that yeah. Wrong. We, yeah. Had a, we had a, a Zoom meeting with, with all the principals um, with, with uh, Positive Trumpeters Worldwide the other day. Uh, it was really, it's really great to see those guys and, you know, like just like how much they've worked on their backgrounds and, you know, and, so due to some technical difficulties, that is where Venny's interview ended, at least as far as the video portion. Uh, there is about a 30 minute audio continuation. We did uh, the rest of this by telephone. And uh, of course that audio is available for my Patreon patrons. If you'd like to become a subscriber, a supporter by Patreon, you can do that at www.patreon.com slash studio HFL. By becoming a supporter, you can have access to content that is exclusively available to my Patreon patrons. And I'd also like to remind you to visit Apple Podcast and leave a star rating and review. And don't forget to follow me on social media. This has been a production of Powell Music, LLC. That's me. And has been supported by the generosity of sponsors Messina Covers, Eastman Winds, S.E. Shires, Hammond Design, and Pickett Blackburn. Once again, I'm your host, Larry Powell, and you can find out more about me and the rest of the podcast at StudioHFL.com. Thanks for listening, and come back next time for another great interview.